0: Hello and welcome to the Finder Flow radio show podcast. I'm your host, Winston Wittes, and I'm here today with a very special episode. Today's episode is selling houses. Selling houses. I did not know the topic of this show before I started. So I apologize, but I don't because that's the fun, is that. We don't know what's going to happen in the show, do we? No, not even. I know what is going to happen in the show. I have general. Oh, there's a cool. Nope. Nah, not that cool. It is a um, lawnmower that I thought was a go-kart. So I have an imagination. <laughs> and there's a guy watering his lawn with no shirt on. Exciting way to kick off a podcast yes all right. all right well I was showing a house to my friend my buddy Dennis and him and his wife love it yay we have an accepted offer on it already so that's good and now we're just uh, we had a contingency on seeing it physically, because we have not yet seen it. It's a little over an hour away. It's about an hour and a half. People say it's an hour drive. They're lying, or they drive fast. And I drive slow, which is true, probably. I know I drive kind of slow. I'm cautious, friend. It's a beautiful sunset. We just showed this home. They loved it. So that's great. to win. Woo! Awesomeness. I don't know if you heard any of the recent episodes where I was driving up here. So it took three hours to get home. The last time I was up here, three hours, friend. And, you know, I was prepared for it to be more than an hour because I just know the reality of the situation. But there was what I thought was an accident. There may have been an accident, but there was also a fire. And so that's why there was so much traffic because this whole like area feeds into one darn freeway. And so even though it's like a four lane or five lane freeway, it's pretty massive. It's still the whole thing was just super um impacted. So uh not fun with that at all, but fortunately I don't want to jinx myself. The time my estimated get home time. An hour and twenty minutes. <sighs> Long time, friend. Shoot, guess we'll get in some podcasting. Try to think of something clever to say to keep you entertained. Because if I don't, maybe you'll leave. And, and why am I doing this? Am I doing it just for myself? So I can talk to myself all the time? Possibly. Do I get value out of it? Yes. Cathartic. Cathar. Cathartic. Feels good. Feels like I'm letting go of baggage that I get out and I say it out loud and I don't have to pay some doctor or psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever to listen to me and to tell me things. And even that's kind of crazy especially nowadays. Um I know people and you know plenty of people get professional help uh through counselors or you know therapists and whatnot. So I'm definitely not bashing it. And um what's interesting is given I hate to, you know, I don't like to talk about politics, friend, because it can be very divisive, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, probably unfortunately. It should not be, I don't think. I don't think that's the bigger idea of it. You know, here in the United States, my opinion or understanding of the big picture of it is that we can use our minds and our voices to debate topics that are important to us in a civil manner and to come to agreements without violence. And that's kind of the idea of a republic, you know, that people have representation for, you know, they're not going to just be grossly outnumbered and kind of beaten into submission as a result of, you know, mob mentality. So that's a pretty fantastic thing. I think I think that's a noble endeavor and noble way to structure things and it's not easy and people have given their lives for these lofty ideals right and it's fragile at the same time you know that it's only it's passed down from generation to generation the obligation to protect it and understand it and Again, I'm not trying to get political, so if it comes across that way, I apologize, but it's stuff that I think needs to be said, or at least I need to say it in my own way. And probably a lot of it is wrong. (laughs) So that's okay. You can agree to disagree. You can agree to agree. You can agree to not decide at all, to disagree to, to decide at all. When I was growing up, my grandfather on my dad's side, uh, I was very close with him and my grandma and spent a lot of time there when I was young, you know, going to their house on, during summers and whatnot. And when I was really young, my dad, we lived in the valley in Van Nuys or um, Sherman Oaks in the valley, Los Angeles. And um, my mom, I guess, would drop me off there a lot when she would go and do college classes and my dad would be working and they had a construction company and worked out of of their house. They had an office in the back there and so I'd be dropped off there a lot. You know, just spent a lot of time there. As I got older, it's crazy now that I'm kind of thinking about this. Maybe picturing something in the wrong. Well, I guess it it kind of matters. interesting having some cognitive dissonance with uh, timelines here, but that's neither here nor there, I suppose. Um, Probably when I was around, well, so, okay, so my grandfather, you know, uh, interesting guy, you know. um, Where to start? Once upon a time ago, I was a little kid and second grade, my teacher, our teacher showed us videos about where our food comes from and specifically meat. (laughs) Where does meat come from? Oh, it's an animal. It comes from an animal. How do they get it from the animal? Oh, they kill the animal and then they butcher it and then they turn it into this thing that doesn't look like an animal anymore. And that's hamburger so as a second grader seeing that it completely traumatized me because that's a pretty shocking thing you know it's pretty graphic it was uh you know slaughterhouse videos and show a bunch of second graders there i don't know how long she was able to get away with that but you know she did and and it changed me it changed the trajectory of my life i'll tell you that much because once i put two and two together I no longer wanted to eat meat, and, you know, I was a second second grader. So however old you are, when you're second, just imagine your kid or, you know, maybe you had a similar experience, just being like, no, I'm not going to eat that anymore. No, I'm not going to eat 90% of what you cook anymore. Overnight, right? My mom was furious. My dad was furious. Like, you know, all of a sudden, I'm just super picky eater, and I wouldn't eat anything. Gosh darn it, there's a over there. Sorry, friend, I'm driving like a crazy person. You can... Come on over here, and you're doing the same thing I am. We're both not sure what we're doing. You're you're clearly more unsure than me, friend. Come on, wake up, get off your phone. All right, this person is definitely multitasking. One of those tasks should be driving. I'm just focusing till I can get past this person and focus more of my energy back on what I was saying, sorry friend, bear with me, limited CPU, ah, there we go, merge, merge friend, right, friend, slow, yeah, slow down, take your time, 150 miles, that's not right, for another 50 miles, there we go, that's more like it, okay, all right, well, Set it and forget it right i'm on autopilot now i've got enough bandwidth to uh to talk about whatever i was talking about before which i'm sure was fascinating super important mission critical even vegetarianism all right saving lives friends lives of animals i love animals i love animals Those fuzzy friends some of them not so fuzzy, but still friends. Some of them not friends, but still friends. You know what I mean? I call all the bugs in our house friends, except for, there's some friends I call friends, but they're they're not friends. They're definitely enemies, and I will kill them. There are few. There are few that I, I kill. I hate doing it. I don't like doing it, but some are super destructive. Those brown moths, those things are so damaging. They eat so much of our stuff and ruin it. It's horrible. Not a fan. But fortunately, like they don't bite us, so they're not dangerous in that respect, but they have cost us a lot of money over the years and lots of food. So that's upsetting. The other friends that are not friends in our house are anything that looks like a brown widow or a black widow. Definitely not friends. Friends that look scary as heck, but are still actually friends. Uh, we get these little, they're not called wind scorpions. I've been mistakenly calling them wind scorpions, but they look like little centipedes, but They don't bite humans anyway, and they're here in Southern California. They're really cool. I think they're really fun, and they're nice, and they eat the bugs that I don't like, so those are definitely friends. And uh, Big Daddy, what are those, Daddy Long Legs. Those are friends. Those are guys are cool, you know, let them just hang out. So there you go. That's kind of that. So starting to be vegetarian at that age, first of all, I didn't know that was a word, you know, so it wasn't consciously like, oh, I'm vegetarian. It was just like, no, I don't want to eat that because it's meat, it's animals. And my parents, of course, being pissed. And then my mom being like, well, I made this, you're eating it or you eat nothing. And I remember sitting there as a child at the table after my parents had left and like having fish on my plate and being hungry. But knowing that it was an actual fish. Like they called it a fish because it was made of a fish and that I just could not at that point stomach it and stomach it. And I remember um, my mom like gave me mustard and like things I could put on it to, to make it taste different. And so I remember, you know, trying to do that and um, just doing that with all the different meals, you know, like trying to pick around the, the meat and everything had meat because everything had meat, like, that's like what Americans do, we eat meat, right? And my grandfather, um, was a butcher growing up. Uh, you know, as a teenager, his father was a butcher. They owned the butcher shop in Chicago and one of the main like main butcher shops and they would help restaurants in the area open up and they would earn business that way. They would like go help them on their opening day and stay extra I'd help them, you know, with everything because it'd always be crazy the first, you know, week or so. And so they would earn business for all these barbecues. So my family is big into barbecuing or was really big, less so nowadays I'd say, but um, that was huge in my family because that was what we grew. They grew up in my grandfather, my great grandfather, my dad, my uncle, my aunt all grew up with my great grandfather. Well, I don't know that they were knew him or were close to him, but my grandfather, their dad growing up, um, you know, having been a butcher, meat was always kind of a big thing, right? And for me to not eat it, big, big problem, big identity crisis, big kid, the kid doesn't know what he's doing, you know, and this is, this is a bad thing. And so, uh, but here's the thing. And I wish I would have been able to record this and figure it out, you know, back in the day while he was still alive, because this was one of his favorite stories to tell. And, um, I always imagined that I'd have like a cool you know, when I'm daydreaming and whatnot, especially when I was younger and like, you know, I'm gonna be this big artist and whatnot and they have like for their famous, you know, behind the scenes and they interview like the person's family and they're like, Oh yeah, and telling all these stories like one of the imaginary stories that um in my little dream world there was him telling this story. And the story went a little something like this. So he would be telling it you know as it happened in the past and i was a little kid and he said him and my grandma would they would take me to eat every friday that was like our tradition like go to mcdonald's or whatever and um they and he noticed that you know i was was a little kid eating this hamburger and the meat would keep slipping out the bottom and so he you know helped me out he take it and put it back in, fix it up and give it back to me. And I started eating it. And again, meat would start falling out the bottom. And, you know, but he didn't think anything of it because I was just a little kid and I was floppy and whatnot. And so it's like no big deal. But over time, he realized that I was actually doing it on purpose. And they started ordering with the meat on the side. Now, this is probably, you know, I don't know how old one is in second grade, but let's say, wait a minute, I can figure this out kind of sort of. Bradley's and I'd have to remember what grade my own kids are in. Uh, anyway, how do I turn on the lights? There we go. Um I I don't know, like five to seven, let's say. I hope that's somewhere in the ballpark. Say so it was five to seven. And Grandpa's realizing, like, hey, this you know, this kid's not eating the meat, let's get the meat on the side, take it home for the dogs. And so you would ask the, they'd ask the people at McDonald's or Carl's Jr. or wherever, like, hey, we want this burger, but put the meat on the side. And that was just like, what? Like, people could not comprehend that. Like, why the, why would you do that? Why are you ordering this and you're trying to do that to it? No, we don't do that. You can't do that. Like, some people just, like, it blew all their circuits. You know, they're fried. Couldn't even figure out. It, it was beyond anybody's comprehension back then. And that was just a common thing for, you know, that we sort of experienced is like we would ask for it and a lot of times they would do it wrong, but sometimes they would do it right. And then like more and more uh it, it would turn out right where they would just package it separately, the beef, and that would go on somebody else's hamburger or go to the dog uh, when we got home. So um there was a lot of years where... I was just a super picky eater, and I lived on bread rolls and salad bars and you know whenever we'd go out and I would get very frustrated and I'd feel bad for my parents that I was such a picky eater, and that I caused so much trouble when it would come to meal time and the karma of my kids and their picky eating, you know like I get it, I get it, and it's super challenging, and they only want to eat the same they're way better now, so this is this isn't quite as accurate, but you know up until just super recently. Uh, Both our kids were super picky eaters, and and Ethan still is. He's gotten a lot better, but he he basically it's like okay, pizza or burrito. So it's definitely my son, (laughs) bean bean burrito or pizza. Um, he could eat that every night. He does eat it every night, but Elena will mix in like oh, see chicken nuggets, uh, chicken fingers or whatever they are, and so it's like okay, well, you know, whatever. I don't. I let them do it for now. Uh, you know until. I have not really shown them where their food comes from. Uh, I think Bradley, you know, has a decent sense. He's like nine or ten now, and he probably has a decent sense, but he probably hasn't seen like the realness of it. You know, where we live in the suburbs, we're not country folks, so we don't have that kind of experience. So, my grandfather, you know, is a tough guy. He was a tough guy. He was in the navy. Um, did some pretty fascinating things uh, I think it was after as far as like working with rockets and um, companies that made rockets and uh, speed tests and all that kind of stuff He's a very engineer um, type guy and uh, building, you know, super good at building things and breaking things and all that good stuff so that was kind of his thing and I I guess uh that was a long way around about but whatever. So anyway, one time fast forward to, you know, teenage years and I watched I saw this movie called Waking Life by Richard Linklater, Waking Life, and that movie blew my mind. So I'm guessing I was probably – man, I don't know. I don't know what year that movie came out. Now I have to look because I, I remember being at one of their – like their what I consider like their first house, but I know they probably lived places before, but it's like the house that I remember is their first before they like came up to the, the next level of house. And I remember being in the living room and – being so excited to share this movie with them because for me, parts of it were like so amazing. So this movie, first of all, it's just really cool. Like the, the animation or the, the way it's laid out or the way it looks, it's shot with this um, technology or cam- special camera. And it looked really cool. Um, it was the first movie I'd really seen that was like that. But also the theme of it was waking life, like these different levels of awareness and consciousness, and like, are you really awake or are you asleep? And you think you're awake, you know, dreaming. Have you ever had a dream, and you just you don't know you're dreaming. You're just living your life, doing whatever, and then all of a sudden you wake up and realize, like, oh wait, that was a dream, right? Have you ever had that? Oh, there's some crazy on the road. Oh, blowout! Wow. Sorry, Frank. Sorry, can you say that? Um. Uh, yeah, so different levels of awareness, like consciousness, being awake versus being asleep, and that resonated with me a lot because, especially during, I guess, when I was probably when we moved down to San Diego, I think I was like 12. No, wait a second, if I was. I graduated in 1997, now 17. 16, 15, 14, 13. Yeah, so probably like 12 or 13, and maybe a little bit younger than that when I saw this movie. And but around that time, okay, yeah. Um, you know, I was big on exploring consciousness because I was raised in such kind of a restrictive what I felt was a restrictive environment. Consciousness, where it was like, you know, here's how you have to think. Here's how God works. Here's your position way down here. Here's, you know, blah 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 blah. Box 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 box. box building wall, building wall, right? And I, I was like, no, I disagree. I disagree with your whole premise. And you know, but I was a kid, so I was still. At the mercy of it to a large degree right like my mom it was still that is was, was her thing and um she would bribe us to go to church with her and um i was an easy pushover because i felt bad you know it's like i love my mom i want to make her happy and she would play the guilt card right like oh well, you know, the poor me and she'd get very sad and like, Oh, I just want to save your soul kind of thing. And like, you know, this is like a please. And then I'd say, fine, I'll go with you. And then I go and like, feel like crap cred the whole time. Um, but you know, I was doing it for her and, uh, seemed to make her happy. So I was doing what I could. Um, but I was also resentful, right? I was resentful, friend, if I'm being honest, because, It's like, gosh, darn it. Like, I freaking hate this. You know I hate this. I don't believe it. I think it's BS. Um, And then there's always, like, the quizzes, right? Like, well, what do you think about this? It's like, you don't really care what I think about this because what I really think about this would hurt your feelings and shut this whole thing down. What you want to hear is what you want to hear. And because I finally got to the point where it was, like, just easier to play the game. Easier to play the game. That's the theme that I touched on a little bit earlier, but I didn't get around to because it's a long time theme for me in my life, in this lifetime, possibly others, probably others, because it seems to be a deeply interesting, fascinating kind of thing to me. Playing the game. Play the game. Like, you just got to play the game. You got to play this game, friend, right? So the game in that day was. Not and say yes, A smile and nod, right? Like nobody really wants to know what you think because your thoughts are counter to this whole propaganda of this cult. Oh, okay, well, easy guy, slow down. That's some pretty harsh words. Is, you know, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. All right, all right. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't. You know, sorry, sorry. not sorry. I don't care. I don't care because. If you're listening this long, you already probably have similar experiences and you probably identify or understand at least where I'm coming from with this. And if people's feelings are hurt, too freaking bad. If your feelings are hurt, then sorry, not sorry. Because, yeah, because I don't care. I don't care. And I used to get really antagonistic. I didn't care. I freaking cared So because of the hurt that I had gone through as a result of all this freaking brainwashing. My dad would tell my mom that all the time, like, you're brainwashing the kids. You're brainwashing the kids. Stop brainwashing the kids. Stop going. You've been brainwashed, you know, to my mom. And, you know, that's a harsh thing to say to somebody. It's a harsh thing to hear that, like, oh, my mom is taking me to this place to get brainwashed. Like, that's – what is that? What is brainwashing? It sounds kind of good, like, getting, like, your brain clean and then, like, learning, like, oh, no, that's not a good thing, like, what it means, Right. And kind of come to the conclusion like, yeah, wait, that kind of is what's happening. It's kind of like they're telling me these things and they want me to believe them. I don't, but I have to pretend like I do so that I don't get shunned and or ostracized and or, you know, the poor me, um, you know, and the, the whole thing, the guilt and all that, right? That's, that's the other side of it. So play the game, answer the questions the way that they want the questions to be answered and nod and smile and say yes. and go along with it until you can escape. Go along with it until I could escape. And as I got older, it got a little bit, you know, started getting a little bit more freedom. And uh, my brother had already, like, pretty much managed to work his way out of it just by throwing gigantic tantrums and being a total pain uh, to where my mom was just like, forget it. You know, it's easier to not deal with that. And I was, you know, I'm, I was a pushover. It was much easier and just willing to go along with it because i didn't want to deal with it and i didn't want to do the whole fighting and that whole side so so i got a lot of it friend i got a lot of it over the years and when, when i when we moved to san diego um my mom you know made new new friends new kingdom hall and which is the Jehovah's Witness church essentially and we started going there and like, same old, and it's like, oh, and so and so they go to your school, and like, oh, you can see them. And it's like, I don't want to see, I don't want to be friends with people from here. Like, this isn't, like, you know, I know you're trying to carve out this community and get me to be a part of it and be on board. It's like, I'm not. I don't believe this stuff. I disagree. I don't care how smart these other people supposedly are. Yeah, I don't care. Like, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. I don't care. Who, you know, it's just, um, So what's the point of all this. Where are we going? What's the topic today? Selling houses. <laughs> Selling houses. Existentialism. Jehovah's Witness them. Um Christendom is what they call all the other religions that are not Jehovah's Witness. They think that they're false and wrong. Isn't it interesting all the religions think all the other religions are wrong? And that struck me at a young age, right? Like, well, that religion thinks they're right, and you're wrong. And you think you're right, and they're wrong. Like, somebody's right, somebody's wrong, or everybody's wrong, or everybody's right. But you, your dogmas contradict, so then you both have to be wrong. Or one of you is right, but every, and everybody else is wrong. It just seems, like, so ridiculous to me. So ridiculous. And they call their religion the truth with a capital T. We have the truth. How long have you been in the truth? Oh, I have been in the truth since I was, you know, so so many years old or so many years or blah, blah, blah. And I just always thought like, dang, that's super conceited to think that you have the truth and nobody else does. Like, that's absurd. And yet you can't answer all these questions that I have um, about things like UFOs or aliens or this or that. You know, it's like, well, the Bible says this or it doesn't really say anything or blah, blah, blah. And it's like all these BS answers. Like, this is, I'm not going to bet my afterlife on this vagueness or because so-and-so is so smart. They're a doctor. They're a lawyer. And they believe this, that I should too. Like, that's ridiculous. That's a horrible level of logic. Like, if that's all you got, this is, count me out. (laughs) i was like a teenager and it's like, dude, you guys are, this is ridiculous. This is insane. It's insane to me. Um, but I had it. But I dealt with it. And then as I got older, I stopped going. And you know, eventually, just kind of let my mom know, like, no, like that's you. I don't. I do not buy into this. I do not want it. I am no longer going to do it. So. Um, okay. Uh, oh. Oh. Oh yeah. So. As I, so a lot of the indoctrination and fear mongering and conditioning in that religion, and I, I would venture a guess in other religions too, is around like, you know, the afterlife, fear, right? Like, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. If you don't do this, you know, bad things are going to happen. If you don't claim so-and-so is your savior, you're, you know, you're in trouble or you're going to have these horrible consequences fear 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 scary war famine scary brochures with horribly scary things on it and you know the only way out is this way our way and very smart people know this and you should too and but you don't know as much as us so you should trust us and this book is this book has all the answers and we tell you how to to interpret it because we're smarter and better than you and um so that's that's the framework that we're dealing with right and I was in this framework of like, no, I disagree with all of that. I disagree with the premise that these people are smarter because they have these degrees or whatever, or they make uh, more money or they're older or whatever. Um, and I disagree that you know more about what you think this Bible says or this book says, because from my own personal experiences, I, was, I had this very strong intuition and feelings that they were missing the point. With a lot of it some of it i thought was pretty cool but some of it was just like no you guys are freaking wrong well and and then i started getting into the experimentation so there were some things that definitely for lack of a better word like messed me up uh, i guess in one way of saying it or like baggage right like created baggage for me in life and trying to figure out what was real and not real or, like, what, why things were the way they were. Particularly, I'll just say it, and specifically things around, like, sex and relationships, I guess, to a larger,
1: smaller degree,
0: a lesser degree, more specifically sex, premarital sex, masturbation, um, those kind of things. Definitely got a lot of programming and shaming, I guess, around that, Um yeah, I think. And then, so there's that. And then, so that stuff to the point where, I don't want to say I was like traumatized, but kind of, yeah, kind of. And it caused certain interesting things that played out, you know, later over the years in life. And honestly, still do. You know, honestly, they do. Um, so there's that. Um, and then... And those are things I've worked on over the years in different ways and dealt with in different ways, and certainly done things that you know are not mainstream things I guess that I would attribute in some way to that kind of programming and that kind of just growing up around with that kind of uh whatever um but then also the kind of spiritual side, the actual spiritual side of it. Like, what does spiritual mean? If you ask different people, you'll get different answers, okay? So, I'm going to just give you my personal opinion, all right right, or wrong, or, you know, the, the all, and I'll be all, or not my soapbox, right, just my own personal opinion, is that there's the physical body, and there's, you know, the mind, there's the ego, there's different levels of ego and consciousness awareness. And there's the spirit, which is connected to the mind and the body, but not forever. It could break away. That's my kind of general ballpark estimation of it, experience of it. Now, what I always kind of hoped, I guess, was that somehow this religion, this Jehovah's Witness and or other religions, would help with that piece of it. Would help with the spiritual aspect, the experience of that. Whatever that means, and that most certainly was not what that was for me. I'm not saying other people didn't somehow get that out of it, but in my estimation, my perception of it, most did not. I and, and I'm not saying there's not value, okay? So and I know this is a sensitive thing, and so again, I'm not trying to bash anybody's feelings or opinions, um, but at the same time. I am putting people on notice, I guess, or calling certain things out for those of us that do feel like that's all BS and do feel like we were attacked or put down or minimized or shamed or whatever through those channels, through those institutions. So, yeah, I guess if you're someone who identifies with that and it's hurting your feelings, that's, you know, I can't actually hurt your feelings. I can only say whatever my feelings are my thoughts are. And if there's some of, if you thought it was complete, I was way off, right? If somebody thinks I'm way off and and have no value in what I'm saying, completely incorrect, then it's like, oh, that guy's just full of it or he's wrong or whatever. Boom, next. It wouldn't even phase someone, right? But if someone feelings were hurt by something I was saying around that, then that would be an indication that some part of that person's identity is tied up in that belief in that identity. Oh, I am Joe's witness. Oh, that hurts my feelings because that's not how it really is. Or that's not how I interpret it. Or I do have spiritual experiences. And you don't know what you're talking about, right? That could be an ego thing right there that could happen. And you can say, oh, well, Winston, it's your ego talking right now. Yeah, it is, right? It's my personality. It's my character. Um, and to some degrees in and out, as I get into flow states and as I channel, you know, more or less like higher levels of consciousness, then ideally I get out of my own way and I get out of my own ego way and let pure information flow through to you to give you the highest and best information source that I can tap into. But I am also human and and part of me being very cautious about taking, you know, expanding my own ego, right? Inflating my own ego um, and or creating an illusion of being a guru or the answer right, or some kind of um, person to be put on a pedestal or whatever, you know, being, being very wanting to say to you, friend, that that is not what I'm attempting to do. Instead, what I'm attempting to do is just be the best version of me that I can be, channel the highest and best information I can for you, and you still have to go do your own homework. You have to do your own inner work, your own light work, your own night work, right? You've got to still put in the work. I can't do that for you. You you are the the hero of this story, friend. It's you. It's not me, right? Like I'm aware of that, and I try to be try to maintain that awareness so I I don't make it too much about me, while also clearly being the only one talking here and bouncing these ideas off you virtually through time and space, right? So so my ego is part of it. Your ego is part of it, and then there's the third mind, the mastermind between us that says ah yes, right. Um, and then the the mind of consciousness of humanity at the next level, right? For those of us who are willing to work into that, to be open to it, to be sensitive to those higher levels of vibration, the subtle energies, perhaps, then that is something that we can experience and we can experience it individually. We can experience that together. You and I, we can experience that in a group of people. We can experience that in, in, in many different ways. And how are my lights off? What's going on here? Oh, there we go. <laughs> wow. That's cool. It's so much better now. <sighs> all right. All right. So, the whole religion thing for me, then I started testing. and had to test stuff. I'm a tester, friend. My marketer of life. I market things. I testing even if they're uncomfortable, even if they're awkward. Fortunately, part of my character is that I can be awkward and I can be okay with that. Well, I can be awkward and I can I can carry that awkwardness and and dread it and replay it in my mind thousands of times over the years and you know still feel the awkwardness of it and that's unfortunate, but it's also just part of uh, being letting go of those awkwardnesses and some some of it being very practical and useful. Um, Allowing me to be out of the way of my emotions and to be able to test things as close to scientific as I can as a biological, non-scientific being, I can do my own social testing of things and I do and my own testing of my own experiences. And when I was younger, one thing I did not test very much was like relationships with girls. So I was freaking terrified for a number of reasons. I used to be very, I used to have a lot of friends that were girls. Don't get me wrong. And they were some of my closest friends generally. But then as I got into the teenage years and, you know, hormones and all that, um, and this whole like programming that I've been just, you know, smashed into my brain for my whole upbringing um, I had a lot of anxiety. Like, I don't know how much of it was just normal teenager interpersonal anxiety and how much of it was, like, because I had been brainwashed into being terrified of accidentally having premarital sex and, you know, all the consequences that go with that. So point of that whole story was that I was very slow into that part of life, um, being with – being – with anybody in a relationship like that, a romantic type relationship, okay? But there was other things that I was very determined to test. And that was maybe because they didn't hit that as hard. And so it's kind of like something I felt a little braver about, but I don't know. And so that was this idea of spirituality and what is it really? And do I need to listen to these people who are telling me all this stuff, or can I just do it myself without them, right? I have this idea of, like, well, if somebody's born on an island and Jehovah's Witnesses never went there to tell them about Jehovah, would they still be able to go to the New Earth, like be resurrected to heaven on Earth? Because if not, that's really messed up, right? Or if you're, you know, if someone was more along the Christian line, like if, if you didn't get a chance to tell them about Jesus, and you know they live on an island and then they died can they not go to heaven because they didn't ever learn about jesus like that seems ridiculous to me that seemed like totally implausible or just like it didn't make sense right it was very plausible um that somebody could not hear about these gods and it's like well and then also you know, if the, I don't know how much you know about the Bible, friend, and I'm by no means an expert, but there's, like, the first Bible, the, or the Jewish the Torah, right, the ten first ten books of the Bible. Um, and it's, like, God was a really mean, angry God, super vicious, and, like, did these really messed up things, if you read it, right? So, and then there was the covenant, or, like, the, the agreement, right, where God said, uh, now I'm going to totally butcher it and make, I don't know. Um, basically like Noah came down with, it went up to Mount Sinai and got the download from God and put it on the tablets. And these are now the 10 new laws. Right. And um, oh, that's on the first, first one, I don't know, but later, you know, they work it out. And all of a sudden I think it was maybe after Sacrifices Jesus, or at some point God made a new new covenant with the people, right? And said, like, hey, um, you don't have to kill things anymore because, like, God used. To, oh, trippy, yeah. So there was this um, talking about vegetarianism, um, and so there there's these stories. I read these cool book series years ago uh, by the people, these people that I claim to be Pythagorean Illuminati. Pythagorean Illuminati. So Pythagoras, you know, the great mathematician, um, philosopher, and then the Illuminati, like the people, supposedly secret sect or whatever, that want to illuminate. They want to bring knowledge to people on Earth, right? And the Pythagorean Illuminati are um, all about logic and math and being able to find God through knowledge and math, excuse me. And it's pretty cool stuff. They've got some, oh goodness, excuse me, really fascinating book series. So I've read um, some books in that series and I think they've got a lot of stuff that's really fascinating. So this one book of theirs I was reading gets into this kind of conversation about God and, you know, jerky God in this first Bible. You know, it was really... Just like if you did something bad, if you sinned, you had to go and kill like a little animal, like a bird uh, or a little, depending on how bad the thing you did was like you'd have to kill little animals to make up, to pay in blood. So that's kind of messed up, right? And then God said to the father of Abel or Cain or one of them like, hey, go take your son out onto this altar and sacrifice him to me. And he gets all the way out there and then it's like at the last minute, like, no, okay, cool. You're good. Let's, let's, you don't have to do it. I just wanted to know that you would. And it's like, what the heck? Like that's really messed up. (laughs) You know, who is this voice speaking to this guy that's like seeing if he'll murder his own son in, in God's name? Like what kind of God does that? If you really think about it, kind of a messed up scenario. And there's other messed up scenarios. Like, I don't want to get into it, but anyway, there's if you look at it through that lens, as I did, it was like, man, there's all these weird things. Would I want to worship a god that does all these messed up things, right? Okane and Abel. There was like part in one of his book series where it's like one of them was all about like eating meat and blood, or not eating blood, but like I'm kind of it's fuzzy, friend. So I'm trying to just you know sketch it out for you. But the one brother was like meatier and like you know, a hunter and blood and whatnot. And then the other brother was like, no, it was like a vegetarian type and loved the animals and could talk to the animals and was nice and whatever. And something about like the old God was this, you know, required blood, like required blood payments and whatnot. And then when they had the new agreement, then God was like, no, we don't have to do that anymore. Right something like that. Okay. So I got to the point with my logicing and reason, reasoning where it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to worship some messed up, jerky God. Like, and if that's the case, then, I, you know, take me now. Like if if that's the real God, then forget all this. What's, you know, it's like I disagree. I, I, I do not consent. Count me out. So I had to start testing this stuff. So how does one test God? Well, different ways, perhaps. For me, it was like I started learning about um, out-of-body experiences, astral travel. And I started practicing it very diligently. And I started having experiences. And I was also around that time having a lot of dreams. Like, no, it wasn't quite yet maybe, like, shortly thereafter, all that um, kind of blend together. But I think before I got into the dreams, I think Waking Life was somewhere around in in this time, but maybe before. And, yeah, kind of mushy together. But basically, that movie, once I started having out-of-body experiences and getting better at it, being able to astral project and have experiences that I felt were not pretend not just my imagination you know i and can i prove it, friend can i show you the science um no right although there is i believe science out there but would you believe it not unless you already know probably right if you could show somebody something if they don't want to believe it it doesn't really matter so i started having these experiences and i would try to then kind of debate with like my mom or with these other Jehovah's witnesses and they they had a good way of shutting it down. It's like, oh, no, that's Satanism. Oh, you're you, – don't do that. You don't know who you're messing with. You could be getting tricked. You think you're talking to angels or God or whatever, but that's actually just Satan and the, the devil, you know, whatever, um, tricking you. Don't do that. Don't – that's that's a cult. You don't mess with that stuff. So here I was. my perce- My perspective was, hey, I have personally had these experiences. You can sit there and try to convince me that I did not have these experiences or that I misunderstood them, but that just makes you look really stupid to me because I know what I experienced. I know what I saw. I know what happened, and you are going off of hearsay. You're going off what this book says, and you're even going off of what these other books are telling you that that book says and these other people. So don't come to me with any of your BS because you are a novice. You're not even in the game. You're not even in the game. You're reading an instruction manual that is intentionally designed to keep you off the scent of the real game. That was my perception. And people don't like that perception. And I got into a lot of arguments with people and hurt a lot of people's feelings with that. And too bad, so sad for those people, right? But it also caused me a lot of pain and whatnot back then too and built a lot of character. And so here's me with my character, friend, telling you, too bad, so sad for those people. And if you're one of them, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Just trying to keep it real. Just trying to keep it real. So I had my own personal experiences that for me trumped everything that they could tell me. Nothing that they could tell me would convince me that my experiences were less real than what I perceived them. And that started giving me some, I don't want to say confidence, because it didn't, because I was still questioning. I didn't have, but it, it it gave me inspiration to keep questioning and to keep fighting that fight, to dig in against other people who are preaching against me, their beliefs. Because now it's like I don't take any of your words for it. I don't believe any of you. I don't think any of you know what you're talking about. Yeah, you can quote me the Bible, but the Bible is yeah. taken out of context. Again, just my opinion, friend. Not trying to cause trouble taken out of context with the the way I started to interpret things okay and then I started experimenting with things so I always been interested in altered states of consciousness oh getting back to grandpa so this movie I had a lot of experiences uh up to this point I guess maybe not maybe this was before again I don't know friend who knows where I was when I was but I felt pretty passionate about this movie. I felt like this movie was really going to help a lot of people understand certain things that I'd come to understand about reality and consciousness and waking life and dream life. And before or after, I don't know, um, I used to, I started having a lot of nightmares. I'd always had a lot of nightmares, I guess, but they started shifting um, around this time into, well, a lot of... um, Experiences of just being stuck in my body. I don't know if you've ever had that. Like some people call it like the paralysis demon or whatever, uh, where you're awake, but you can't move your body yet. You're kind of stuck in between the dream world and the waking world, the physical world. So I I had a lot of those experiences and I had a lot of those experiences where I was actually in the, the dream state or the astral state and encountering... Um, what could be described in my opinion uh as like other entities right and some of them good and fine and some of them not so much and having a lot of those uh a lot of those kind of dreams and experiences and then seeing something like that movie or again maybe I'm I'm lying and I saw the movie first but um but I eventually you know, was so excited. I brought the movie to my grandparents. I showed it to them because, because I, I think part of it for me was like, I wanted them to understand that I wanted them to wake up. I wanted them to understand reality. The way I was seeing it It was like, Hey, it's not just this physical world. And Hey, all these religions are misguiding you and misleading you. And they're, they're saying all this stuff with this authoritative thing. And like, they've been around forever and they know all the answers, but they're lying. They're full of it. And they're either lying on purpose or they're lying by accident. But either way, don't buy it. Like, here's what's really going on. You can do this yourself. You can have these experiences yourself. It takes practice, you know, for most of us. But here's how you do it. There's real ways you can do this. And that was kind of like my mission was like, oh, man, I got to tell people this and share this. And so I showed my grandparents this. And within, like, I don't remember. We didn't make it very far into the movie. And they got pissed, furious. They turned this crap off. This is, and I was just like, what? And, and grandma looked at grandpa and was just like, this is socialist propaganda. And grandpa was just basically like, yeah, hell yeah, it is. And like, you know, they were furious. that, you know, turn this crap off. Don't ever show this uh, to us again. You know, don't watch this crap. This is socialist propaganda. And um, you know, this is this is the enemy. Right. And it was so not what I was expecting so out of left field and I could not, I could not comprehend it. It was just like, what in the heck? And there's one scene in particular that really set them off on it. I'm, you know, I'm sure, but, um, but it was really hard for me to wrap my head around, you know, because that was not,
1: not at all the way I
0: interpreted it. Now, here we are many years later. I'm 41. at the time of this recording and dealing (laughs) with, uh, dead propaganda and it's very fascinating because it's so insidious the way it works and the, the way yeah like the whole setup is amazing like being able to see it from somebody who has I the way I see myself and my own experiences and the reason I feel like I'm in a particularly unique position to be able to share this kind of information with you is because of my upbringing, <laughs> right? So it's like, if I question my own life and my upbringing, there's a great book, i prophecy and Prophecies, uh, multiple books, but the first one, or at least that one, really a big game changer for me. One of the things in that book that really opened my eyes too was, um, like this idea of like your parents, what was their life story? What was their life purpose? And if you put them both together, you know, kind of like harmonize that, synthesize that purpose of that mission, then that can really help point you in your life purpose in your life direction, your life mission. As you might be a synthesis to carry on like their work, right? And I look at my bloodline and you know, there's a lot of building builders uh in my dad's line and uh, the butcher, you know, piece of it, which is, uh, I was the one that if you believe in kind of breaking family cycles or family, um, generational type of, uh, patterns or whatnot, then that would be one that I broke. You know, my brother is, I think vegan or at least vegetarian, um, and has been vegan for many years on and off. And I'm, you know, I've definitely cut down on teeth myself, so I don't eat too much of that either anymore. But, um, You know, I think that's a pretty interesting kind of, uh, thing, you know, um, and then seeing with, oh gosh, yeah, it's one of the stuff that came up, but too much to get into tonight, uh, um, generational stuff and bloodlines, crazy stuff I just learned and, uh, yeah, definitely for another time, but to try to round this this episode out about selling houses <laughs> um, purpose driven life kind of seeing the i guess uh just kinda of trying to share. Oh, the spiritual, okay, gosh, but it does all tie together, that's why it's trippy. So it's like, on the one hand, it sounds like I'm all over the place, on the surface level perhaps, right? Like talking about socialism, talking about propaganda, talking about religion, talking about spirituality, uh, you know, talking about my grandpa, talking about being a butcher, talking about being a vegetarian, talking about whatever. Well, there are underlying levels that do connect. And I don't necessarily want to connect all the dots for you, right? Part of the fun, I think, is letting you figure it out on your own, but also letting you know that I'm here too, that you're not alone. Does that make sense? Right? Like we're connecting the dots between the two of us. That's the unsaid part. That's the art, I think. is a fascinating little side side note here. The art is... um, Download I got oh the little coming down from the Mount Sinai with the tablets that's the finder flow book series of uh today by the way, friends I'll just tell you the the Bible I had this crazy download where the Bible like the, the bigger one the you know the sixty books one um has like these books from all these different authors. It was compiled over time and edited over time to fit a certain narrative and whatnot, but that's not the point I'm getting to today. But the point being, all these different people were kind of paying attention to different aspects, they all set things in different ways, and there was many more books, which you may or may not be aware of. There was other books that did not make the final cut, or the cut that is the popular version, King James version, the... uh, the other versions that are, you know, kind of the main ones used in this day and age. And with that, oh, so it was kind of like a documentary, uh compilation, compilation documentary, different people saying things about God in their own way and documenting things. And that's what I want the Find Your Flowbook series to be. Is people talking about flow, talking about the universe, talking about aha moments, serendipity, coincidence, and their own perspective on it, and then me compiling it into the book series so that people can consume it, and then, if they feel so inspired, also contribute their own story. That's what it is. That's the division. It took me a lot of years to come to that that order to get that big download and most recently within the last six months to a year, I'd say. Um, But, you know, pieces of it have been revealed to me, revelations, over time. And, yeah, now I'm sharing it with you. So if you feel called to do that, then you go to findyourflow.com forward slash author club. And there's some resources there for you. And, yeah, that's good. What else? Selling houses. good. Grandpa, rest in peace. Socialism, spirituality, aha, the dark side. What is it really? Oh, dark side. I'm wearing my Darth Vader dark side shirt. I'm in touch with my dark side, friends. When I was a teenager, oh, dang. When I was a teenager going through all this, dang. Man, <sighs> we deal with our own stuff, don't we, friends? So, um, okay, yeah, I'm getting close to them, so I'm going to try to wrap it up here and try to figure out this last tangent. So uh, the darkness, you know, I dealt with a lot of it around those years, my early teens and um, when we moved, to LA or from LA to San Diego, you know, the darkness just kinda got worse. And um wait, where are we going here? Okay. So um but then yeah, so you know, got into the got into a lot of arguments, um still was testing spirituality, got into self hypnosis, which really helped me a lot with a lot of things got much more positive mental attitude, got better self-esteem, got out of a lot of the darkness, um, going into my senior year in high school started overcoming a lot of things and learning a lot and developing a lot of the character and things that have helped me get to where I am today. And that's the kind of stuff that I draw on when I'm, you know, helping people with coaching and in, in life and whatnot. And part of the hardest times during that was, uh, the friends that I had, you know, my best friends, my bandmates, we were in, uh, you know, bands together in high school. And then when we graduated, you know, we kind of were trying to still make it, but then we also were kind of growing apart. I got in. So I started self-medicating too around that time. Um, and that helped with the darkness, um, for sure. You know, that was kind of a, and that's actually a big uh bloodline thing for me as well um but I didn't know that then oh that was the discovery and that's where I got deep so okay wrap it up kid we um so once so we were diverging the bands and I they were going their direction I was going my direction and it was very very hard because those were my best friends and I didn't really have any other friends so much and you know, to break up, it was like breaking up with my family in a respect, you know, my best friends and all that and um, going out on my own. You know, they were all sticking together. So it wasn't like we were all breaking up. It was like they were breaking up with me or I was breaking up with them. But I was definitely feeling it. I, I think more so than them. You know, they were just so three of them and, uh, you know, easily replaced. So it was, um, I had this experience that some people might refer to as the darks of the night dark spirit of the night um and i had to get out of town oh so i had a girlfriend and girls. you know that was when i was getting into yeah sales helped me get the numbers game i talked about in i think the last episode or two the numbers game helped me start talking to girls because it started helping me disassociate some of the negative programming i had um with you know that whole thing and like getting into the age where i was like kind of able to start dating and not be totally, you know, anxious and, and all that. And, um, so anyway, uh, break up with a girl and break up with the bands and I had to get out of town just to get away from it all. And I went and stayed with my aunt and uncle and, um, part of the thing was that I was self-medicating and my bandmates were different kind of medicators. They were all big a drinking and alcohol and, you know, I was okay with that, but it wasn't really my thing. Right. And, um, so that was kind of its own part of it. And part of my self-medicating at that time was, you know, I, I was overdoing it at times and I didn't have a, Plan or a system or a doctor's note, you know it's just like I just found something that worked for me, and I just would use it all the time as <laughs> like as best I could and uh that had you know its own downfalls, of course, but um when I made this i went away for a week um part of I used to train and I used to buy all these martial art videos. So I could learn all these underground street fighting things. And this one that I bought was this, the Systema Systema, which is this Russian super soldier um, fighting. And this guy, this Russian super soldier, he's you know showing this crazy martial art, and I was learning it. One of the things he taught was that he would go out into the snow and you know be like butt naked or in his underwear or whatever, and he would dump a ice cold bucket of water over his head. And it would get all these toxins out and it it would like steam and it would like be amazing. And it's the most healthiest, amazing thing to do every day. It shocks your body, raises your body temperature, your body kills off all the viruses and bad things. And it's a really good health thing to do. So there was that, but then there was this other thing. And it was like, you know, each of us has a dark side. Each of us has a demon inside. Okay. And, you, you know, many people try to avoid it or are afraid of it or don't understand it or don't know it's there or try to, you know, whatever. But these warriors, these fighters, these soldiers actually dive into it. They learn it, they become friends with it and they get to know it. And that way they can call upon it in times of war and battle to be able to, you know, do what needs to be done. And so I saw that. And I remember I was in my, uh, in the bedroom at my aunt's house and there was this mirror there and like, I can't get into it, but it was, um, you know, I did this exercise, and it got crazy real. It's like, kind of scary, you know, because, like, the stuff I saw was pretty scary. So it's just scary stuff, and I found it. found what I was looking for, and I was like, holy jeez, okay, I don't want to mess this up, um, but, it but it was an experience, and it was an important one that I had, and then the that night or the next day or whatever, um, my aunt had a friend over who she hadn't seen in a while. And uh, this friend was just back from Amsterdam. And uh, this is a work, uh, an employee of my aunt's, right? They owned a video store. And this is one of the employees. just back from Amsterdam. And she's showing my aunt these pictures. And my aunt's like, well, what is that? What is that? And she's like explaining, like, oh, that's a, you know, water pipe. And that's a this and that. And, you know, you get the idea, friend. And, uh, and, then, and like, my aunt's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And, and then she goes in the other room. like, what are you doing? You're going to get fired. And she just kind of looked at me like, what? And then she's like, hold up. And then she left. And then um her and my aunt came back and it was like, Winston, I want to tell you something. I, was, I think probably 16. No, because I graduated. So I had to be like 17, maybe 18. And, um, I'm a successful businesswoman. I've uh, been a successful businesswoman for many years. And your dad's a successful businessman and your uncle's a successful businessman. And we um, we all medicate. <laughs> and uh, uh, my friend just got back here from Amsterdam and just got some really good medication. And uh, would you like some? And it was like, what? What in the heck? Like, like what are you saying? What is happening right now? And it blew my whole reality, reality. blew my whole, whole sense of things, right? Because it was, like, I was so, so upset about, like, this whole thing and, like, feeling like I was on my own, and it's, like, all of a sudden I find out, like, oh, wait, my aunt has lived this life since she was, like, eight or nine. She's been self-medicating um, because, you know, she had a rough upbringing. Um, you you know, know, my family had stuff that, you know, all families have stuff, but, um, you know, they went through some stuff. She went So it's uh, her and my dad and my uncle started medicating when they were kids, (laughs) when they were very young. Um, And maybe she was like 10 or something, and they were a little bit younger when when they started. But um, they told me the story about when they told their mom, my grandma. uh, So just to give you an idea of some of the stuff, uh, they did get my grandpa and my dad, uncle, and aunt, their parents got divorced uh, when they were young. Divorce was not a thing back then, so it was definitely a big, big deal that that happened. And they lived in separate houses, and uh, you know they all dealt with that. So that was a big deal back in that day. Um, you know, my generation that was, was very common. Our parents all got divorced and went different ways. Uh, so definitely a big shift in the cultural dynamic in that sense. All right, gotta wrap it up. Um, but that was a big thing for me to experience start, and set off and it also gave me permission and to continue to explore the spirituality that I was experiencing on my own without those kind of things, but then also to now kind of have permission in the sense that this was a, a way that some of us choose to live, and that it is a helpful, positive thing for some of us. And I do not condone anything and always consult your doctor and blah, blah, blah. I'm not a doctor not medical advice, I don't you know, anything like that. Um, but it was a very important moment for me in my life and it helped pave the way for future experiences that I would have in altered states of consciousness. Something that I always felt drawn to and there you have it friend. Um so there are dots there that i'm not going to connect now maybe you already put them together maybe you're way ahead of me you're you just been waiting for me to say it or you knew that i never was going to really say it but i was going to just dance around it but there There are are, there are all those things i didn't didn't know what i was going to say um but here we are i'm home and i hope you are are doing fabulous i appreciate you friend i wish you all the best take care and until next time my friend don't do it yet don't do it yet friend gotta gotta know where that thing is Right. Yeah. So I send you off and hopefully there's a cool outro music at the end and a little commercial and hopefully you take action because it's a super fantastic offer that improves your life and you share this with somebody else you think may improve your life. And so thank you, friend. I appreciate you. And until next time, my friend, be flowing.